Well, hello, YouTube Power Hour Squad. Erica here with a replay episode for you. So if you're brand new to the YouTube Power Hour podcast and you have a YouTube channel or you're thinking about starting a YouTube channel or you want to expand your business and influence online using YouTube, then this is a podcast for you. And for my returners, welcome back. This is a replay episode because I take a little bit of a break in between seasons to focus on my boot campers that are in the Zero to Influence YouTube boot camp. And for those of you that are new, that is my boot camp where I help women find clarity with their purpose on YouTube and help them discover their best selves. So they bring their best, most unique, most magnetic self to camera. So my philosophy with YouTube is we build your YouTube channel from the inside out. So if you are interested in joining the bootcamp, I am going to be running another one in 2019. Date will be released. And if you want information on that, you can head to ericaviera.net forward slash bootcamp. But in the meantime, I am replaying some of the favorites for you guys so that if you're new, you can get introduced to the podcast. And if you're returning, some of these are some of the best episodes, most downloaded. So you get a chance to listen to the amazing goodness all over again. So one big ask that I asked of you guys is my big goal for 2019 is to be one of the top 10 marketing podcasts and business podcasts on iTunes. But I need your help. I know a lot of you guys love the podcast and you share it, but I need your help to get even bigger and better so that I can do more things with the podcast. So if you are on Instagram, share it in your stories, share it in your posts, tag me, tell a friend, tell Facebook groups. If you write for a blog, mention it there and help the YouTube Power Hour podcast get to the top 10 so that I can bring lots of big things for you guys. But still, I have some amazing guests that are lined up for you guys already. I'm super pumped. Going to be recording all new episodes. So hang tight for the new episodes. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, leave a review if you haven't before. That also helps with the ranking on iTunes and helping more and more people discover this podcast. Enjoy the interview. Now to our guest. So Nicole, here is her bio. She is the face behind the popular healthy food and lifestyle YouTube channel, Health Nut Nutrition. She's a passionate health nut who inspires her viewers to live an active, healthy, and balanced lifestyle by showing how easy and delicious it can be. Her healthified versions of fresh and tasty dishes are guaranteed to make your taste buds dance and prove that healthy eating doesn't have to be tasteless or boring. Nicole's philosophy is all about finding a balance that works for you. It's about listening to your body, surrounding yourself with positive sources, limiting stress, and enjoying the foods that you love. She doesn't believe in dieting, calorie counting, low-fat, or sugar-free labels, and she believes in taking a holistic and intuitive approach to living a healthy lifestyle both inside and out. I love talking to Nicole. Um, nutrition is something that is very much of interest to me as well. I'm all about healthy eating, and I love her recipes and her channel. I follow her on Instagram and she's always posting the best recipes. So just as a side note, she's really good at what she does. And I, I just really enjoy getting to know her. She's just a really good person. She's just fun personality. And she had a lot of really great, insightful things to say um, about her journey as an influencer. So I hope that you enjoy the episode. 
Well, hello, Nicole. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on. Like I've said before, I'm, you know, we're expanding beyond beauty and getting so many more of these influencers on the show that just have so much to offer with advice and so much to offer with experiences that just have different types of channels. And I think that's really, really, uh, it's really great to, to bring all these people on. And also our listeners are expanding and got so many different people on here. So everyone has just their own unique experience. And Nicole, I just, I'm looking forward to diving into yours. You're more food-based and nutrition. And I love that topic personally. So I love watching your channel. So the first question that I get that I always ask everybody that comes onto the podcast is, why YouTube? Like what inspired you to start your YouTube channel? So I'll try to make this as short as it could be. Um, <laughs> basic, I always feel like this is like the longest answer, but yeah. I'll try to sum it up. Um, I basically have always been interested in healthy eating. Even as a child, my mom, uh, I'm one of, one of four. Uh, so even as a child, my mom always kind of instilled healthy habits. We always had things like whole wheat bread and 1% milk. And, and just, we always ate a lot of dinners at home together. And I always enjoyed eating healthy food. Um, and that was just kind of something I grew up with. And then it wasn't really until I got older that I moved away for uh, college and I was, you know, living on my own, cooking for myself, grocery shopping. I started to realize, you know, I was seeing a lot of other people, you know, buy a lot of processed, that junk food kind of stuff. And, and I just thought, uh, you know, if I'm going to be spending money and taking time to cook my meals, I want to make sure that they're, it's, I'm going to be creating food that's good for me. It's going to make me feel good. It's going to give me energy. Because uh, I was like, I was one of those workaholics. I was like working while going to school and I needed the energy. I couldn't be living off like Dorito chips. So, and then, yeah, totally. while, <laughs> right? As much as Dorito chips are delicious and sometimes uh, my kryptonite. Um, so basically, I went to school for business marketing. And during that time, I was taking, I ended up taking a couple like nutrition courses, just as like extra courses um, or electives or whatever you call it. And I remember just, I was like, like obsessed with them, just learning about health and how food affects the body. I remember coming home one day telling my boyfriend, Matt, you know, oh my goodness, I, I know I'm in school for marketing, but I think I want to be a holistic nutritionist. So during that time, you know, I was just, I was continuing my education. I was also, uh, I discovered people like Joy McCarthy and Megan Telpner, who are big uh, holistic nutritionists here in Toronto. And what I really loved about what they were doing is that they were building their businesses mainly online and through social media and things like that. And I just thought it was so cool how they took their passion into a career. Uh, so, so anyways, I was just absorbing all this health information and just getting all, all into it all. And then it wasn't until I finished school and I was working, I was doing marketing at, at a big telecommunications company in Toronto. And I started an internal health website. Uh, and within that I had a column that was called ask health nut. And I basically shared, this is like the most random thing I shared, just like recipes that I was creating healthy tips and fitness tips and things like that. And then I ended up taking that off offline to, or like online into the external internet world, uh, into like a, my own blog. And it was just like a really basic blog. I, I was excited to share my knowledge, but it wasn't really until, um, I guess I should also mention during this time, during the year, uh, I was working at this marketing company. I was 
absorbing YouTube, like left, right, and center. I was obsessed with YouTube. I was watching everything. I was loving it. I thought, I can't believe people do this full time. And then I was also at the same time planning a year long trip to Australia and Southeast Asia with my boyfriend, Matt. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. So it was a lot going on. I was just like, at this marketing job that I wasn't really passionate about, but I was loving that I was helping them with their internal health website. And I was doing the blog and I was learning about YouTube. I was, you know, it was just this year of absorbing so much. And then when I went off to Australia, you know, we were working a little bit here and there, but we had way more time. Um, we actually funny enough, started vlogging. I didn't know it was vlogging at the time and it wasn't on my main channel or anything. It was basically just sharing our adventures. And then we posted it on a website that only my family knew the URL to. So, and I sucked at vlogging. It was mainly Matt. And, uh, so anyways, we started doing the video stuff there. Um, but then it wasn't until like one day I just thought I want to create a channel and I want to create like film a video. So uh, I remember Matt helped me and we filmed like a random, like up benefits of uphill running um, video. And then, uh, so we started off with fitness, I think, and some like healthy living tips and then kind of slowly start moving into recipes. So it was really where I had the time to start and think about it was when we were in Australia. And then since coming back, I've started to do it on a regular basis. So that's kind of all how it started. So was the channel like you and your husband's channel or was it more you and he was behind the scenes? Uh, well, we'll, we'll call him my husband. He's my boyfriend. We've been dating oh, for like a decade. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> I basically, I call him hubby sometimes. And okay. then people are like, wait, did you get married? What's going on? Maybe I thought, cause I thought I, in some of the videos you mentioned, if you said hubby <laughs> or not. So I apologize for that. Your boy, your oh, boyfriend. No, <laughs> You'll just give him a, an extra hint hint. Um, so <laughs> sometimes guys need that. <laughs> exactly. Um, so this was, uh, this was my channel. So Matt was not in the picture. Like he was in the picture supporting from the very start of it. He thought okay. you could do this full time. He was a huge support, um, system for me, but it was just, it was just me doing it at the time. Yeah. And it's, so it's really interesting. And that's for me too, kind of how I got into this whole, like, God, YouTube's so fascinating just because, you know, I was, you know, my background is sales and marketing too. And and when you're doing that, you, you see what people are doing. You're like, it's, it's crazy, this YouTube thing. And so you were, you were working in marketing, but like totally not that into it. That's what I gather. And you were more, and, and, it, but, and so then you were just more into like health and nutrition. You had this trip that you did and then you thought, Hey, I, I want to, I want to start a YouTube channel basically. Yeah, pretty much. It's, you know, I, I'm still, I still am passionate. Too. Yeah. I was kind of mm-hmm. all over the place in the beginning. Cause I knew I liked marketing for the, the point that it was, um, the aspect that it was creative. Yeah. Yeah. It was creative. I love that the people that even at school and in the, and in like the workforce, like I was, everyone was really similar to me, um, like mm. with just like attitude and stuff. And cause I usually find when you're in marketing and there's a lot of creative, energetic people, so yeah. you think this is really fun. And then it wasn't really until I started, uh, learning more about myself and what my passion was that I thought I still love marketing, but like, um, health and nutrition and fitness and wellness was really what, what I was passionate about and, and a, a huge hobby of mine. Yeah. That's so that's, that's, that's great. And so you were, so you do come, when you traveled, you weren't, you weren't working, right? Obviously, did you like quit your job or what, how did you guys do that whole trip? 
Yeah. So I, during the year that we were planning it, like Matt had always wanted to go to Australia and Mm -hmm. I had really wanted to check out Southeast Asia. So we kind of combined it. And while I was at my marketing job, I, we were just saving. Like Mm -hmm. I was, I think I was working, I was working there and I was also doing bartending on the side. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was just saving, we were both saving a ton of money trying to live as like cheap as possible. Yeah. And so we saved a lot of money before we went. Uh, so we, when we went there, got there, we didn't have to work in order to keep traveling. We were pretty fortunate that we did like our rent was really cheap where we were living in Mm -hmm. Toronto. So we saved a lot and just ate, ate in a lot and just did things, you know, some sacrifices to be able to do that. Um, but while in Australia, it was really easy uh, just to kind of pick up a job uh, bartending. Like mm. I'd say if you're, you know, even if you're a guy, like guy or girl, it's pretty easy to get um, a bartending job. Like I already had experience and I just got their, I think it's called RSA. It's like their smart serve there. Mm-hmm. And it was really easy. So just kind of, as we traveled throughout the country, I, I did, um, you know, a job here and there. And it was great because I got to meet locals. I got to make new friends there and the pay was really high. So you didn't have to work as much to make the same amount, which was really nice. Yeah. So, but so did you quit your marketing job when you, when you, you quit it, right? When you traveled? Oh yeah. So yeah, I should mention that. So basically I gave my work notice that I was leaving Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I don't know if it's like this in the States, but in Canada, once you're like, I'm leaving, they're not going to save your job or anything. So I did, however, it was Matt that gave me this idea because I was working on that internal health website and I was like the creator of it. And I was the one that did all the um, behind the scenes work on it. I basically pitched to them like, Hey, I'm going to be in Australia. There's internet. I can do this like kind of as a contractor. Mm -hmm. So they basically, uh, and they're a big telecommunications company. That's more old school. Like this was not really something that they were normal, like used Mm. to. And I guess that they were just kind of putting a corner, like we're going to either have to train someone or just have Nicole do it. So it was kind of a dream come true. I was working, I think it lasted about three or four months before like, um, I, a lot of people got laid off in the company. And so the project ended, but I was, so for like three or four months, I was just doing a few hours a week to, uh, to work on this website. And I kind of got a, um, kind of like, I guess a, it was like a predetermined rate for mm-hmm. the end of the month. Mm-hmm. And then they would pay for my, uh, I did like a hotspot, one of those hotspot internet Wi-Fi things. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. So we would be like driving up the East coast in the camper van and I was just doing work in the back and it was, so that was helping support, uh, the traveling as well, which is really cool. And so then what did you do when you came back, when you came back is when you started your YouTube channel? So when I came back, um, it's kind of, uh, so I came back before Matt, my sister had had uh, her first child, my nephew, Oren. And so I wanted to come back. And when I came back, I wasn't working right away. I wanted to spend time with family. I had been gone. The one year turned into two years, actually. Mm. So I've been gone for a while. And when I came back, I just wanted to be home with family. And I was staying at my parents. Uh, And during that time, I actually was just kind of taking it a little bit more seriously. I was I was trying to create uh, videos all on my own and because I had the time and stuff. So I was just creating videos. And it wasn't until a few months later, um, Matt came back because uh, he was doing um, some kickboxing in Thailand. So he came back and we were both kind of just looking for work. And mm-hmm. he found he got a really good opportunity out west. Um, so he went out there. And then I also 
got a good opportunity for another marketing job in Toronto. And I thought, I still didn't know if I wanted to do my YouTube channel full time yet. It was still very new. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't like I was, I hadn't worked with any brands. And so I was going to go out West. Where were you like subscriber base wise? Oh, I must've been, um, well, when I started, when I got the second marketing job, I was at about 30,000 subscribers. So I was probably, yeah, I was probably around like, yeah, the 25,000 subscriber mark while I was looking for another job. So wait, so you started your channel after you moved from New Zealand back to Canada. I'm sorry, Australia, back to Canada, right? I started it in Australia. Australia, Okay. But I got more, I was posting more when I got back um, to Canada before okay. I started the market. I know it's, it gets kind of confusing. It's like you start it, you slow down, you yeah. start it again. Well, I mean, that's like the, the, with everybody that starts a channel, especially that's been doing it for quite a few years, because it sounds like you said this was about four years ago or so. Yeah. Four or five years. Yeah. yeah. And when, you know, when people, especially when it's been, you know, at least three, four or five years. people do that because at the time, you know, there was an ad sense. It was more of like a hobby. It was like, I'll upload whenever it wasn't what it is today, where if you really want to make some strides and get up to the point of even having 30,000 subscribers, you have to be really committed today. Whereas back then you could kind of do it a little bit more casually and you're able to, you're able to, to grow faster. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people think, like your, it's like a linear uh, journey and it's not, it's like you try it. You like, I don't know, you're sometimes balancing back and forth trying to figure out what you want. Cause at the time I didn't think, you know, I knew I wanted to grow YouTube, but I didn't think it was going to be my full-time income. Uh, yeah. So when I still thought, Oh, I want to, you know, I had been gone for traveling for a couple of years. I thought I better get back into marketing before it's going to be hard for me to get a job. Cause they're going to be like, where have you been the last couple of years? You have no mm-hmm. experience. So I was just grateful at the time to be able to get back into the workforce and having the channel, uh, was a huge, um, bonus to me getting the job, I think, because oh. it, I think YouTube opens up, like gives you almost an advantage, uh, because it's kind of like, Oh, you're already self-driven. You're starting your own, um, kind of online business. And, uh, and I don't know, it was, it was definitely like an advantage for me for getting the marketing job, I think. So you went in there saying, I have a YouTube channel. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I was going to, but I thought, hey, I'm going to, I'm either going to put this on my resume or I'm going to say that I was just, you know, bartending on and off the last couple of yeah. years. So I used it as I, it was the first time I put it on my resume as an actual job, which was really cool. And then you were at that point, you were mainly talking about health and nutrition on your channel. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you were, you said about 30,000 subscribers when you got that marketing job. Yeah. Or, okay. I mean, and so leading up to that point, kind of in Australia and coming back to Canada, what, how consistent were you with your channel? Um, I was in the beginning, it was so, I didn't even know that like you had to be consistent. So it was like, oh, you put a video up, it's forever going to get views. Like I just thought, I think about this sometimes I used to think back then, like if you do 50 videos, you could just stop doing YouTube and you're going to get this like residual income from these videos. Um, but that's like the furthest thing from the truth. So I was just posting, you know, whenever I had an idea for a video and, and it wasn't until I'd say I was working at my, the second marketing job, 
Um, I, I'm trying to think the exact point where I was doing at least one every week. It wasn't always the same day of the week, but I was mm-hmm. at least posting every, every week. Um, I just, I also didn't know that it mattered if I told people what day of the week I yeah. posted on, you know, so I was definitely more consistent doing it once a week. Um, and, uh, and cause like now I post now I post three times a week, which is crazy, but, uh, yeah, I was definitely doing one a week for a and, while. And you don't remember like at what point you did that or even why you started being more consistent? Um, well, I started to, I guess I heard about it from other people. Like it really makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, because I wanted to grow my channel more because when I was at the second marketing job, I, I'd say after a few months being there, I kind of knew that I wanted to, as much as I loved the job, I knew that I was really there to kind of, <laughs> I was there to make money, to grow my business, to then eventually do my business full time. Yeah. 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 So I already had that in the back of my mind. Mm. Um, and, uh, so, so yeah, I basically, I started with one, the once, once a week, cause I was hearing, or sorry, I was trying to be more consistent cause I was hearing from other people, other resources that it makes a big difference. And it made sense to me. If you tell your audience every Wednesday, you're posting a video, it's like a television show. They're mm-hmm. going to come back to, to watch it. Cause they know when it's going to go live. Or if they go to your channel and they go, Oh, Nicole hasn't posted in like two weeks. She's not consistent. Like it's like, you, you don't want to subscribe. Post- yeah. You're less likely to. Mm-hmm. And what were you doing at your marketing job specifically? I was doing online digital marketing. I was also doing, funny enough, I was also working on their YouTube channel. <laughs> so, uh, and yeah, I was doing, I was doing some stuff on the YouTube channel and then I was doing like websites, um, uh, not really design, but more so, uh, like wireframes and stuff. So like not, not as fun as YouTube. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's why I asked, cause it, I was like, well, it's kind of nice that you're at least during your day job, you're doing things to maybe help you figure out how to make your own YouTube channel better or your blog or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was definitely cool that I was, I was helping the company that I was with, like with their YouTube channel. Cause I almost, you would think it was the other way around. Like I was learning from my marketing job to help with my YouTube stuff. But I actually think because I, I've, I go to a lot of, um, Google workshops or YouTube workshops. And I learned that way. I was actually bringing a lot to the company and helping mm. grow their, their YouTube channel. What type of company was it? Uh, it's like a, it's like one of the largest, uh, banks and I think maybe in the world. Oh, I, don't, okay. I usually, I don't, I usually don't say like the, the yeah, company, but it was it a is. very, very large bank. Yeah. I was wondering like the industry or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, so then you're, you know, you're working on your YouTube channel at the same time and you're, it sounds like you were, you were convinced and committed that you knew in the back of your mind that this marketing job was kind of like something that you were doing to pass the time or to make money until you can really, really support yourself with your, your YouTube. Right. And so what happened then? Where was, did your, did your YouTube channel have any kind of a tipping point where all of a sudden it started to grow? Did you have brand deals that came in? What happened once you started to kind of commit more to your YouTube channel to lead to where you're at today, which is, I know you said, you know, you do YouTube full time. Yeah. So I think that's actually a really good question because I, it, it's hard. Like when you, like my marketing job was, is an amazing career job for anybody. So it's Mm -hmm. really hard to think to, to want to leave something like that, that's stable and has a salary. And it like, it's for anyone else, it would have been the perfect job. I was really grateful to have that job. I got to work from home once a week. My hours were flexible. It was a perfect job to do while growing a YouTube channel. I will say that. 
Um, so to answer some of your questions, um, you're asking about, oh, a tipping point. So one thing that did happen, uh, this was last summer. Um, so about a year ago, I released this video called uh, what I eat in a day at work. Now, if you're, if you watch YouTube, you probably know like the, what I eat in a day videos, they do very well. Um, but I feel like there was like a big, there was this gap missing from YouTube and it was a realistic what I eat in a day at work video. And because I was someone who not only was a YouTuber, but I also had a like professional corporate nine to five job. I knew the struggle of, you know, packing your lunch for work. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I knew where my audience was coming from when they're like, okay, great that, you know, a lot of YouTubers who do those, what I eat in a day at work videos, like they work from home, they're in the pajamas all day eating acai bowls for breakfast. That's great. But like, I don't have time for that. So I, you know, I got some requests from my audience and I knew I like, I had such a good feeling about that video. So I ended up filming it and I actually went on the weekend. I got permission from my company and I filmed the video at work. So I showed like my commute in the morning on the go train at the time I wasn't living in Toronto and it was just a very realistic video. And that one within a few weeks, it was my first video that I would say went viral for my channel. I think viral means different things for everybody's channel, but, um, even right now it's my top viewed video. It's, uh, over like 1.2 million views and, I got such amazing feedback for it and it got my channel from, I remember I was at 80,000, which was a great number. And I hit like a hundred thousand subscribers within like a couple of weeks. I remember just watching the, the subscriber count just go up. And that was a huge milestone for me was doing that video. And I know the reason, like I knew when I posted it, it was going to do well. I had a feeling and it was because it was a unique wasn't a unique concept. I didn't make up the what I eat in a day video, but it was the, how I filmed it was unique. I still have not found a video like it on YouTube. I, I searched to see if anybody else did something like it, mainly maybe, maybe to get some ideas for it. And I didn't. So I think because it was a realistic version of it, um, no one really takes you to work with them. <laughs> so like it did really well. And, and it's what kind of pushed my, my channel past the 100. Um, and then I would say with brand deals, in the last uh, year and a half, I've, I've partnered up with, uh, they're an MCN, but to be honest, like they don't really act like an MCN. Uh, they're called uh, Kin Community. And I find, I think a lot of MCNs, which is a multi-channel network, get a lot of like a bad rep uh, mm -hmm. because they have a ton of channels and they promise you a lot of things. They don't really do a lot. Um, but I'd say the one in Toronto, they have a U.S. based one as well, but the one in Toronto, um, you know, really focuses on relationships and, and they've really helped with, um, just not to be honest, like I've probably brought in since being with them, I've brought in a lot of my own brand deals. Um, but they have really stepped up my game with how I pitch to brands, how I perceive myself as a business. Um, they've been a huge resource for me. Mm. Uh, so I think they really took me from, you know, my channel being still like a, a hobby channel to I'm, this is a business. Uh, so they were a huge help in that as well. So you did that, uh, that video, where were you subscriber base wise before that? Uh, what I eat in the, the workday video. I was at about, I feel like I was at about 80,000. And okay. then, and then after posting that video, the, I, I swear I must've, I must've gone up like 15 or 20,000, uh, subscribers in a matter of a couple weeks or maybe oh. even a week. Like it was, it was quick. 
Um, and then, and then to go to where I actually left my job, Mm because I know that was a question you're asking, it kind of got decided for me. Funny enough, I Mm. I was there for how long was I like two and a half, just over two and a half years. And um, my so I was contracted through them. And basically, my contract was coming to an end. And I the contract company I was with could have like put me into another marketing job or something like that. Uh, cause in Toronto, like contractors, uh, are like a huge thing now for mm-hmm. a lot of businesses cause they get to pay less like benefits and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so anyways, my contract ended, uh, end of last year and I kind of just took it as like, I could have gone to another marketing job, but I kind of just took it as a sign that I should be doing my channel full time. Cause mm-hmm. really I wanted to do it full time like a year ago. Um, uh, but I don't think I was ever going to officially take the the leap. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's tough to do sometimes especially if you have, like you said, like a, a great opportunity in front of you, you're making a consistent income, you're able to work from home. It's hard to, to make that leap. So sometimes you need something to kind of give you a sign. <laughs> like, exactly. okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, uh, so that's awesome about your viral video. And I love the fact that, that you were like self-aware that you knew in a way that, okay, that this video has the potential to do really well. And you were right. I think that's that's really cool because sometimes it can be really hard to predict what does do well on YouTube. Oh, I agree. And I think it's funny because like my boyfriend will sometimes ask me, you know, do you think if we do a different kind of video, he'll ask, uh, do you think like, what's your feeling about it? It's mm-hmm. like he trusts my intuition. And I just think when you've been doing, if you're a YouTuber and you've been doing videos for a while, you have this like sixth sense where you just kind of know. And sometimes, you know, you think, you know, and it doesn't always work. But I, I'm telling you, there's been a few videos where I just, I know, like when it does well, I'm like, oh yeah, I knew. And not in a cocky way, but you just, yeah, you just know, you knew you hit, you hit it on, hit on the ball mark. Yeah. Like you just, you knew it was going to do good. So it's cool when, when that happens, sometimes it doesn't, you don't mm-hmm. get as lucky, but for this one, I, it was like, I wasn't surprised. I just, I knew. What were some of the other ones that, that you've done that you're like, yes, like I knew it was going to do good. You know what? One that just came to mind is mm-hmm. I started done I think I just did my fifth episode I started a meal prep with me series this year and I knew like I've known meal prep has been a popular trending item for a while but I still feel like a lot of youtubers haven't capitalized on it as much as they could so I've been starting um this meal prep with me series where I basically do a whole week's meal prep in one video and I share you know breakfast lunch snack and dinner and I do different themes I'm all about like themes on my channel so I do like I have like meal prep on a budget, meal prep. I'm going to be doing a meal prep for students um, at, at the end of this month. I do, I just did a meal prep in one hour. And the reason this series is like amazing for me is not only am I recycling old recipes, I'll usually put in like a couple new um ideas in the video, but I'm recycling old recipes of mine, which is great because it's getting old blog posts and old videos are getting exposure. And also too, um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. I, I do a poll at the end, like, you know, YouTube has those web cards. Yeah. I do a poll at the end of each video for my audience to vote on the next video theme. So it's such great interaction between my audience because they're picking the video. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, I'm like, you guys asked for this one. This is one I did. And those videos are getting, I think on average, like 60 to 80,000 views. Uh, they're doing really, really well. And it's because I knew that there was like this, just another market that I wasn't hitting yet. And I knew it was a popular thing. I knew it would do well with my audience because my audience is like, 
they want to eat healthy, but they're also busy. And, uh, so I thought the meal prep would be perfect and it's been amazing. So now I'm doing one, one every month. How long does it, how long are these videos? Um, these videos are, they're not too, you know what, off the top of my head, I can't, I'm, I think they're about like no more than 10 minutes. I think they're about mm. like eight, eight to 10. Uh, they're not like 20 minute videos. I do it pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, so they're probably the same length as some of my other lifestyle videos. Uh, it's just like, um, more, more recipes in them. So ju- they're just cut quicker. Yeah. I, I think that's really key is making the videos, uh, really just edited well and concise without mm-hmm. going on and on and on. Cause I have seen some of those meal prep and sometimes they're just like way too long. And that's why I asked that question because I had a feeling you saying that they were really popular. I had a feeling they were in that ballpark range of 10, 10 to 12 minutes or so. Yeah. You want to make sure that they're easy to absorb. Yes, like so they're kind of entertaining. Yeah. And shareable. Funny enough, I did the first, so I do cut down to my videos for Instagram and Facebook and I did the, what was it? My meal prep summer one, I think I did mm-hmm. a cut down. No, it was a one hour one. I did a cut down for Facebook and that was my first, I'm trying to like focus a lot on growing Facebook at the moment. Yeah. So I've been doing those for Facebook and the last one I did, it like went, I would say viral for me for Facebook. It got, uh, within a couple of days, it's at like, I think over 10,000 views mm-hmm. and the reach is like something really high. It had got like 40 shares. Like it did really well for my Facebook page. Um, so yeah, the, the meal prep is definitely, uh, it's, it's doing well for me. How long does it take you to actually film those videos? So those ones, yeah, they take a little bit longer, even though they're supposed to be really easy. (laughs) They take long to film. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, yeah. So they usually take, I'd say we usually section off, uh, cause I film with my sister who works for me. I, we usually take a full day to film them. So, you know, I'd say anywhere, I'd say about six hours, uh, to film the meal prep video. That's why I only do one a month right now. Yeah. I, I would think that would be a little bit of a harder video to do. And like back to your, your work, you know, what I eat in a day, uh, work, how long did that take you to film that one? Oh my God. So funny because I filmed some of the best videos don't take that long to film. That one didn't take very long. I did it. I didn't film it on the same day. The shots of me on the go train, I filmed on an actual work day. Uh, and so, you know, but that took like maybe 10 minutes on the train to film. Um, but then we went in on a Saturday at my workplace. And to be honest, I think we're only there for like two hours, which is so funny besides like the planning and getting all the recipes ready. Mm-hmm. Cause that takes time as well. You know, I would say, uh, yeah, we were only filming for a couple hours. Oh, wow. That's pretty good. And what about the editing of those types of videos? So I used to do all my own editing, uh, mm-hmm. and then I got smart and <laughs> outsourced it. Yeah. So my my sister, who's worked for me, who now works for me, uh, she's worked for me for like two and a half years. Uh, she started off doing co-op with me when she was in high school, and now she's done high school, and she's been working with me full-time for um, like two years, and she's now going to school for film and production. Uh, so she, I taught her to edit. And it's great because I basically taught her to edit the way I edit. And now mm-hmm. she teaches me things. Um, so she, I'm trying to think how, how long she takes. Cause obviously she gives me her invoices and she tells me <laughs> the hours. She does anywhere, you know what, for like a recipe video, I'm going to say around four hours. She's mm-hmm. pretty quick. And the thing that makes it a li- like a little tip, I think for, for newbies, or if you're outsourcing, have some kind of template, like for recipes, she knows like 
you know, 15 second teaser in the beginning. And like, we have the same kind of template for, for those videos. Mm-hmm. Lifestyle is sometimes different, but for the most part, she knows already how I want it edited. So it makes things quicker, um, for when she's actually editing it. That's great. So how long has, you said your, your sister's been working for you for about two and a half years. Yeah. And so, so she's been editing your videos for, for that long. Yeah. I mean, in the beginning it was like on and off. Like I think in the, yeah, in the beginning, I think I was still really active in it because she was still learning. Um, and, and then eventually, you know, as she got better, uh, like, I think I was editing a lot of the more talking ones cause she wasn't sure what to cut out and stuff. So, uh, but as I kind of just took her under my wing, uh, she's amazing. Like I, because we're sisters too, like she knows me more than most yeah. people. So it's, it's great to have an editor that really understands you and knows what you're looking for in your style. Um, so that's been a huge help. And then even now though, I, I hate to say like, I'm not involved. I don't edit at all because I still am almost like the director. So a lot mm-hmm. of times, you know, I'll be directing even when we're filming. Cause she helps with like, uh, with the, like filming and stuff. Like I film, but she's like extra stage hands. Well, I was going to uh, ask too, does she do anything other than editing for you? Yeah. So I, I film, like I'm the one that like handles the camera and stuff, but as she's been like, she's going to school and she now works for another production company, um, who is a friend of mine. So I kind of hooked her up with that job. Uh, so she's learning so much now. So I've been trying to actually get her to do a bit more camera work. Uh, because at the end of the day, I want to be focusing more on the content and not, I love, I still like doing the camera work and stuff, but it's, you know, it's hard when you're posting three videos a week to be doing everything. So you have to outsource something. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so she helps out. Like when we film, we usually do, we bulk film usually like once, uh, like three days every month, sometimes more, it depends. Or I'd say, yeah, for three days, like every three weeks, I, I would say we, we shoot, uh, she'll come over to my place. She'll stay for three nights and wow. we just bulk film. Yeah. So usually we do recipes. We bulk film those. And she's helping, you know, with setup because we have lights and stuff. Um, and then, uh, you know, even cleanup, like there's so many dishes. So it's just amazing to have an extra person there and keep you company and sane as well. Yeah, that's that's really, really nice. And so uh, it's great that you have, that you're able to make enough from your YouTube channel also to be able to pay an employee. That's like, super nice too. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause like, um, you know, I think both my sister and my, I have two sisters and one brother, but it's mm-hmm. funny. Cause I think they, when people find out that, you know, their sister is a YouTuber, I think the misconception is that I must be so loaded yeah. off all my YouTube yeah. earnings. And, yeah. you know, and I remember my sister's teacher asked her one time, like, Oh, like, and your sister makes an income from that. And Chloe was like, well, she makes enough to pay me. Pay me. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, but then I don't, uh, right now, you know, I've been really growing my channel cause I'm doing it full time. So I I've been spending more money on, um, building my team. Uh, so I don't necessarily pay myself out. Um, but that's just kind of a sacrifice I'm doing right now. So, uh, you know, putting money into the business, whether it's employees or equipment and doing things like that. Cause Matt's still working his full-time job, which is helping kind of support us mm. as well. So, uh, but it's, it's getting there. Oh, so, okay. See, I see that's an interesting choice. And I think that's, that's a a smart choice in a way, because if you have somebody else that is willing 
to kind of help support you in a way that whatever you make, you could put back into the business. I feel that you can benefit from that and grow a lot faster because like you said, now you're able to do three videos a week because you have your sister helping you out with the editing and then you'll just kind of exponentially grow from there. And then eventually hopefully get to the point where you can, you know, have a team and support yourself and do, do all of it. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, that's saying, you know, you have to spend money to make money. I, I, I try to do it very smart. Like I don't just, you know, I recently hired on a virtual assistant, Brittany, Mm -hmm. who is amazing, but like, I don't, she only does like, you know, uh, five to 15 hours a week. And, and, uh, and she's not like at the same rate as say Chloe, who does editing and stuff. And so she's more freelance, you know, when I need her, she'll, she'll help me out and stuff. But um, ideally down the road is I would like to have Chloe on more hours and have my assistant on more hours as well. But I can only do, you know, what my budget allows me at this point, but outsourcing and getting help from people, I think is going to help grow your business and like make you more money in the long run. Cause you're going to have more time to work with brands and all that. I agree. And I almost feel like in the YouTube community, and it might be more so in like beauty and fashion, but I feel like there is this kind of like hero mentality or almost like a stigma of like, you know, having somebody help you do your editing. Cause it's like, Oh yeah, I do all my own editing. I do all this, which is great if, if you can. But I think that the idea of outsourcing for editing is either people do it and they don't talk about it, or there's almost like a stigma to it. Like, Oh, you're not really like doing your own thing, but I'm all for you know, outsourcing the parts of your business because it's just smart businesses that maybe you just aren't into. And you're like, you know what? Because some some of the people that I talk to, for them, they can't wait to edit. Like being in front of the <laughs> camera for them is like, eh. but like that editing part, they're, they're, they're so, you know, they have a, such a specific aesthetic and they're so like, they just love that part of it that, that they could never imagine giving that up. And other people are like, they don't like you. They're like, yeah, I want to focus more on the content. And I, I think it's, it's more rare that I hear that, but I mean, I'm the same way with the podcast. Like, you know, I, I when I hired somebody to to free up all the the editing and the post editing and and uh, someone even helped me with the show notes. It's like freed up so many other things that's allowing me to focus on when it comes to things that I more enjoy doing, which is helping people, working with people one on one, really growing the Facebook and and doing more and more interviews. And I think that it. it it's not talked about often, but I think a smart business person is someone who's like approaching their channel or whether it's a blog or a channel, whatever it is from a business standpoint, you have to, you have to outsource some things at some point if you really want to grow. No, I think, you know what? I think you have such a point there because even like as a YouTuber, I feel this pressure that I should say that I edit all my videos. And even when viewers ask me like, do you do everything? Mm-hmm. I hate to say, you know, I, I've, I've come to the realization that it's okay to say that you don't edit your videos, yeah, but I think it's even, yeah. Cause people almost like, Oh, so you don't do it all yourself. Yeah. Like they, they, there's like a stigma to there. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. hate it because mm-hmm. it's like, no, I, I do like, I do so much. Like I do my photos, I do the filming, I do the content creation yeah. and all this. And, so and, much work. and I do with brand deals. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like one person. Like if I want to keep like thinking long-term, um, and, and 
yeah, long-term and make sure that I can keep up with everything. Like you have to outsource. Like, I don't understand why more people don't outsource editing. I, I don't either. So it takes up so much time. And so, and, and the other thing too, is like, when you look at like real channel, like if you look at like a pop sugar channel or you look up something like that, they have a huge team of people that all do so many different things. I mean, there's talent, there's editing, there's filming. And for people to kind of look down on creators who want to outsource part of it, it's just ridiculous to think that like that, that a creator who's really, you know, churning out three, four videos a week and doing every social media and they're doing it all themselves. I mean, more power to you if you are doing it all for yourself, but like, but, but if you can outsource, I, I don't think, I think you should. And, but it is a shame that like viewers might look at it as a negative. And, and, and I think as a result, people don't talk about it. Like I know some very big people that say that they uh, do their own editing and they don't. And it's like this, like they don't talk about it. And it's like, you know, it, it, just be honest about it. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I would rather just be real and say, Hey, mm -hmm. listen, I used to do it all by myself. And then I realized if I'm spending, if I'm doing three videos a week and spending all my time editing, well, I'm not going to be answering comments. Exactly. Not, like people are always impressed. Like when I answer comments or direct messages on Instagram, they're like, wow, you actually answered me. Yeah. Because I have not that I have a ton of time to do it, but like it's More something time. that's important, important to me. And, and I would rather be the one that's answering you and out, outsource editing than outsource someone who's answering my comments. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Um, okay. One quick question. So back to, uh, you said the kin community, did they, did they find you or how did you get connected with the, uh, MCN? Yeah. So, um, they contacted me, uh, probably a year before I even signed with them. Mm. I had known about MCNs and like I said, they kind of get a bad rep. Uh, I had, I had known some of my friends were with MCNs and like all I got heard was like, just like negative uh, feedback about it. Mm -hmm. um, so when I first got contacted, uh, you know, I was really hesitant about it. I was like, I don't think I need it, blah, blah, blah. And so they basically had to wine and dine me for like, I feel like it was probably a good year. Like mm. they contacted me and then they kind of, we kind of lost contact and then they contacted me again. And we kind of had a few meetings before I really was more, um, I guess, serious about it. And then even when we were in the contract negotiation terms and stuff, I was very clear on what I wanted and what I didn't want. Um, and as much as I was probably a bit of a pain, I'm really at the end of it, I felt 100% comfortable with signing with them. So, and now I've recommended it to a lot, a lot of people, uh, like to be with them, the uh, kin, they focus on like women's lifestyle content. Um, I know in Toronto, I think even in the States, I think that's their overall, uh, theme. So, which is really nice because they're targeting that kind of audience and they're focusing they're trying to be the experts of that as opposed to just taking any channel. Um, I don't know. I just, I like that they're more like a boutique. Yeah. Kind of. But you have to do what's right for you because I don't think MCNs are best for everybody. I've had a good experience. There's still things that I wish that they were doing that they're not doing. It's not always like a positive thing, but you also have to just, you can't be with an MCN and just like think that they're going to help you grow your channel. Like you have to do a lot of work yourself and, and just take your business in your own hands. Because that's something too, I've really realized the things that I was unhappy that they're not doing. It's like, okay, well, they're just like part of the puzzle. I need to kind of pick up the slack on the other areas as well. Exactly. And uh, so it, yeah, it's kind of, 
you got to do what's right for you and really know why you're joining an MCN. I really wanted the community aspect of it as well. You see, and I think I have some people who, who come to me, um, you know, or they're posting in the Facebook group and they're talking about, you know, wanting to join an MCN, trying to find them or trying to find a manager. And I always feel like, you know what, if you're at the point where if you're at the point where you're valuable enough for a manager or MCN to want to, to find you, then they'll find you. And, and, and you shouldn't go looking for them, I think, until they find you. Because they have entire groups of people that are dedicated to finding up-and-coming talent that they feel can make them money. At the end of the day, it's all about money. So I feel like the focus should really be on creating really, really good content so that if you want to join with the manager or MCN, that they'll find you. And then you'll be in more of a negotiating position because you'll be doing really, really well. And it won't be like, oh my God, yeah, I really want to be a part of it. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll commit to this, you know, two-year plus, you know, renewal type thing for another two years. And you could take, you know, a huge percentage of my stuff because, you know, I just want to feel good about my channel that I'm part of an MCM. Like you want to be in a power of a position of a power in a way and to like not even focus on that unless it's like presented to you. That that's, that's based on my experience working with people and talking with people. Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, well, since probably from when I was at about 30,000 subscribers, I was getting, mm-hmm. I've been contacted by like every MCN out there and, you know, and it was really, it wasn't until I met Kin that I was happy with them. That mm-hmm. being said, Kin isn't for everybody. I'm sure. Cause I don't want someone to listen to this and think I need to be with Kin community. Yeah, um, yeah. and like you said, they're out to make money, but so are you. So it's a, mm-hmm. it's a two way game. Exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. So when people are like, oh, they're just out there to take your earnings. Well, like you're trying to, you want them to make you money too. So it goes both ways. And I think you really need to understand what they're all about and what you want and figure out a good uh, compromise. Exactly. Well, that's, I'm, that's great that you found like a great partner. So do they act as like a, a manager as well? you know what? Some people will have a manager and an MCN. I don't have a manager at this point. It might be something that I look for in the future. I'm kind of just, like I said, I've only been full-time with YouTube uh, this year. So I'm just, there's a lot of things I want to do and focus on and learn before maybe working with a manager. Um, But they, I mean, I'm fortunate that because I kind of signed on with Kin when they were still pretty new in Toronto. I think I'm, I I think I'm one of their, um, not to like brag or anything, but I think I'm one of their top creators in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think I get maybe, um, you know, we have like biweekly calls and I maybe get a little bit more attention because of that. Uh, but I also have been there for a while and I've built relationships. You know, one of my things in the contract was to have uh, good communication and like touch bases, like the meetings, the biweekly yeah. calls. Uh, so they're kind of like a manager, but you got to, they're just for YouTube. So if you wanted a PR manager, that might be something else that you're looking for. Um, but you got to realize too, that they're not, it's not just you that is under their like portfolio. Uh, it's a bunch of other YouTubers. So I think, I think it's how you, some people that are with a, that are with kin that I know, like they don't, they don't talk to them as much as I do. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I think it's whatever you kind of want in a relationship. Some people are like, don't bug me unless you got a brand deal, you know, but yeah. 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 No, it's true. Okay. So, uh, one of the other questions that I always ask everybody is struggle. Is there something that you're struggling with when it comes to your channel right now? Um, I feel like this is probably a common one. It's like not enough time. 
when I left my marketing job, I thought I'm going to have all this time to focus on my channel. Like it's did possibilities are endless. Um, but you end up taking more projects on and, and multitasking has never been like a, a big, a good skill of mine. And so I try to like monotask is what I like to call it, where I'll try to like focus on one thing at a time. Um, but I've taken on a lot more projects. One that I can't really talk about just yet. I'm also working on merchandise, I, you know, even just understanding my audience a little bit better, doing the three videos a week. Um, so I've taken on more stuff, which is only natural that I'm busier. Uh, but some days I tell you, I look at the clock and Matt's already home from work. And I'm like, where did the day go? Like, I don't, so I, I really, I'm all about scheduling now. I try to be like a type A personality, even though I'm not. Um, so my Google calendar is just the best thing ever. So, but yeah, if I, my biggest struggle would definitely be, I need more time. Yeah, that's always, and that's even with you having people helping you. Oh yeah, I I know it's funny. Matt's always like, oh well, now that you have a, a virtual assistant, like you're gonna have all this free time. I'm like, no, they're doing stuff I don't have. To, I didn't have time for before, so I wasn't doing. Yeah, yeah, it, it's true. It's I mean, it's the time thing is really really difficult because it's there's just so many social media things, just so many things to think about. So it's it's a lot. It's a lot. To I do. know. Uh, okay. So the next section is our best tips section. So we're just going to go through really quickly and go over, uh, just kind of, you know, off the cuff, like your best tips. So, uh, the first is what is your best tip for starting a YouTube channel? Um, I feel like, I mean, this has probably been, you know, said before, but I think when you're starting a channel, really take time to think about what your channel is going to be about. Um, you know, I, even when we were talking about before the podcast, you, you know, you're saying that you're really into like health and stuff now. And, um, and I think I, I would say that, you know, you might be into, um, makeup tutorials at one point in your life, and then you might grow into something else. So I think either find something that you're really passionate about that you're never going to stop running out of ideas for, or lose motivation for, or find like an overarching like umbrella theme that you can fill, kind of fit anything into there that's going to be you. So, I mean, even for me, I really feel like when I started uh, my channel, I was really more restricting with the type of content I was doing. It was like super, super healthy and health nutty. And now I'm like, it's okay to have some wine and cheesecake and things like that. Um, and I, you know, now I vlog and now I do lifestyle stuff as well. Um, and I still feel like it all fits under health nut cause it's still under that healthy living theme. Um, and I don't think I'll ever run out of video ideas. Yeah, that's, that's good. Uh, what is your best tip for what not to do? Mm, I guess like this is hard in the beginning. Cause I think when you're starting out, you're looking onto what other people are doing and it's easy to mimic what people are doing. Yeah. So I would say, try like for me too, I really, as much as like, I love watching healthy recipe videos. I try not to watch them too often. Um, unless it's like a good friend of mine's and I, you know, we are just supporting each other and stuff. And, and a lot of times, like most of my friends that do food, they're actually like, I have a couple friends that do vegan channels. So very different than mine. Um, but I would say, you know, it's just, it's human nature. I think even if you don't intend it to be like you watch someone's video and you start to slightly mimic what they're doing and it kind of will st kind of stunt your creativeness, I guess. Like if you're watching other people and what they're doing, sometimes you're like jealous or of their success or you're just like, oh, why aren't my videos that good? I think you just need to kind of like let yourself be creative and find your own groove. Um, and then I guess my other thing would be like kind of 
chill out on the clickbait. I feel like people are getting really intense about it and either doing like half naked photos on their thumbnails. And it just comes off a bit spammy and fake when I look at it. And, and then I know some of the people that do the videos and I know they're not like that, but it, it comes like, if I didn't know them, I would feel like they're coming off a different way than they actually are. Um, I think it's okay to still do like soft clickbaity titles mm-hmm. and thumbnails. But I mean, if you're like half naked in your thumbnail and then the video, you're never actually wearing like yeah, the bikini. Baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you, I think you just should be mindful because, um, you you may get some views, but like the traction's not going to be there. You might get a ton of views, but like the comments are low or people are just, you're getting like weird people coming to your channel too, that just came for the thumbnail. So it's not always the best attention, I think. Yeah, it's a fine line because you you have to be really aware of your thumbnails. They need to look really good and sharp, but you don't want to, you don't want it to be misleading. And like you said, you don't want it to give off the impression that you, your channel and your content is actually different than what it is. So it's, it's tough. Yeah, exactly. Uh, What is your best tip for growing your channel? Um, for growing your channel, I would say definitely take time. This is where I struggle to, uh, take time to plan and research your content. So mm-hmm. now that I use like the Google calendar, um, I really plan out like two months in advance. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, now that I do it full time, I, I at least have more time to do that and just kind of take a step back, look at what's trending. Are there holidays coming up events? Like back to school season is around the corner. I'm actually all next week. I'm just filming back to school videos. I think taking advantage of those different events throughout the year is a great way to uh, grow your channel. Um, Because I think when you're not planning before you know it, you're like, Halloween is tomorrow. And I didn't even put a video. Like I used to do that all the time. And I felt like such an idiot for it. I'm like, how is like Halloween next week? And I don't have any, you know, healthy Halloween candy videos out. And I just felt unorganized. Yeah. You you have to really think about that because like, you know, you like you you talked about in your last tip like you don't want to uh copy what else is out there but at the same time you do want to be very aware of trends that are are going on and holidays and and that can really help and boost your channel and like i have a, a mastermind group of people that i work with one on one and i i know that i mean right now we're at the beginning of august and i know people within my mastermind group talking to them and they're they're planning their halloween already you know, their Halloween videos are October. Uh, and October is historically the number one month <clears throat> for YouTube. As oh, yeah. Yeah. It costumes does, yeah. For even food. And so it's like, mm-hmm. you know, there are there are obvious ways, I think, to gain views and subscribers. You mm-hmm. just have to plan ahead. It's like maximizing. Yeah, it is. Because sure. it's easy to be like, oh, what am I going to film next week? And then to come up with something like, okay, I'll just do like a haul, you know, or I'll just do this. Whereas if you really take time to think about it, or if you have, I love, uh, I use Evernote and I put down like ideas and stuff in Evernote because it's on my phone, it's on my computer. And uh, if you just kind of even have like a, a note in there, or even whatever, your iPhone of like ideas that come up and then you can like apply that to a calendar, then it really will help you when you when you start actually planning. And like you said, not just a few weeks, like you're talking months because then some of these big ideas you have or some of these things that come up or like, then you're like, okay, I'm going to have to take some extra time to do that. And if I put that on the calendar here, I'll, I'll know that I'll do it versus like, 
okay, I'm not really inspired or I'm not this and that. It's like, well, you have an entire journal of things that are inspired or you don't even have to think about it because you've been, Mm -hmm. you know, you've been kind of planning it and all that. And it is really important with, with fall coming up and the holidays coming up to really start thinking about that. I have an entire podcast episode all about why October is the best month on YouTube, just because it's like the views and uh, the traffic that goes to YouTube in October is significantly higher than any other time of the year, any other month. So you want to, and I'll link that episode in um, the show notes, but it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's important. And that's a really, really good tip. Okay. What's your best tip to get noticed on YouTube? Uh, to get noticed. Um, I would say I'm trying to think back when I first started YouTube, I was like so active, like in the YouTube community and the Mm -hmm. comments and stuff. I feel like that game has changed a bit. I think you, when people ask like, how did you grow your channel in the beginning? I I think the fact that I was commenting on so many channels, but not in a spammy way. Like I was really obsessed with YouTube and I was leaving genuine comments, never asking to come check out my stuff. I just thought, you know, I've never wanted to spam people to come check out my channel. I'm I'm always like, if people are interested, they will find it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and then also in real life. So not only like getting to know like the, the community and being active online, but like in real life, they're, in Toronto, over the last couple of years, I have met so many awesome YouTubers, some of which are really good friends now who I hang out with all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, go to network events, build relationships with other creators that are like you or different channels. Like I have friends, like I said, that do vegan channels or my friend Anthony that does like a men's fashion and hair channel. Um, you know, just because they may not be someone you collaborate with doesn't mean you can't be friends and learn from each other. Uh, so I think you know, um, I think it's so important to get out there and get noticed and show face and, uh, and then also to stay up to date on trending topics. Like I said, you know, back to school, you really want to leverage on those, uh, on those types of videos, because when people are searching them, if you're already doing, you know, when sweet potato toast was popular, (laughs) you better do a sweet potato toast recipe and do your own twist on it. But Mm -hmm. you know, that's what people are searching. You want to be creating those videos in the mix with your other regular scheduled content. Yeah. Uh, adding your own twist, I think is really, really important. Kind of like what you did with the, you know, my, uh, what I eat in a day at work, like certain videos are really, really popular and, and just adding your own perspective, your own twist to it is I think really key. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. What is your best equipment tip? Um, I would say, you know, I've talked to a lot of people who like or like videographers or photographers, like full-time professionally. And I've been told many times to, to actually buy used. Um, I think a lot of people think used means it's not going to work or it's not as good. Um, a lot of times you have to think people who do to, who do, uh, photography or videography, like, um, professional, they're, they're the ones that are buying like the newest and best like equipment when it's coming out. So they're, what do you think what they're doing with their old stuff? They're selling it or, Yeah. So, you know, check like a lot of times, I don't know if you have Henry's in the States, but Henry's is like, um, one of our main like photography stores. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I think we got our, our vlog camera, Matt will, will know because he's, he is the bargain hunter. Um, so as long as I gave him the a okay to buy used stuff, like he will find me the best used, uh, camera. So (laughs) even, so my main camera, which is 70 is a 70 D uh, Canon, I, we ended up getting, it was used from Henry's, but basically it was just like all the packaging was there. Someone bought it and obviously like returned it a couple days later. It was in mint condition. 
Uh, and we saved, I think like a, a hundred bucks or something off mm-hmm. that, but, but even with other equipment, you know, be careful, like, especially buying off Kijiji and stuff. But, um, but I'd say, yeah, buy used, you'll save a ton of money. And what about best software tip? Well, you're not the one doing editing, but you have had some experience, you know, obviously doing editing. Yeah, I guess. Um, well, I'll give like, yeah, so my sister Chloe does the editing. She uses, uh, when I first started learning, I was using Final Cut. And okay. then uh, then we moved to, um, or was I? Yeah, we used like Final Cut Pro. And then now she uses Adobe Premiere because I think that's what she uses at school as mm. well. Okay. And um, so, uh, I mean, with that, like if we're talking about video editing, I would say you know, I don't know if this is the type of tip you're looking for, but be organized with your content. Uh, so we have, you know, a main external hard drive that houses, like it's one of those like desktop ones that doesn't move Hmm. and we store backup everything on there. And then we have, we just actually, we both invested in, I think they're the Lacey, uh, external hard drive. I have that. It's great. Yeah. They're amazing. Mm -hmm. And because we actually had, we actually had an incident where (coughs) one of my, one of the hard drives just stopped working mm. and we lost a bunch of data. So oh, I'd say double back up everything. We also use Dropbox to send footage. Um, and then, yeah, so those would be like my main like editing tips, I guess. Yeah. That external hard drive, uh, that's a good tip because no one's really mentioned it, but the external hard drive is like huge. I have the Lacey one also. I mean, it's not cheap. It's like, I think it's like, I can't remember $300. Oh, it's their price. It yeah. Yeah, it depends. You know what? I actually went, I bought mine. I went over to Buffalo because we're pretty close to the border. Mm-hmm. So we went over over to Buffalo, New York. And that's where my dad's just, from. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Oh, yeah. we go there all the time for Trader Joe's. Uh, so maybe we'll run into your dad. <laughs> well, he's not uh, there anymore. He he moved out. He's, he's oh, here okay. in, in Southern California, but he's oh, from. He made there. the right decision. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but, um, I mean, besides I only go there for Trader Joe's, but I'm sure they're, they have lots of other nice stuff, yeah. but I just, we bought a bunch of equipment at Best Buy there. You know what? Yeah. We saved, th- that may not be the best tip to tell people like go across the border and, mm-hmm. uh, and buy cheaper equipment. But we, I finally bit the bullet because I too thought they're very expensive, but yeah. I think they're expensive for a reason. Yeah, they're good. Um, and also I will note, cause I think this is a question that, I know myself, I always wonder like, how do people like, okay, they store their the footage and stuff. What do they keep? What do they delete? Mm-hmm. I just want to give like what we do is yeah. once the video is edited, we throw out all the rough footage and then we keep a final good copy and all the cut downs we do because you can always take that main version and do edits to it later on. But like to keep everything, especially if you're posting a lot, like that's just going to be crazy. So I keep all the edited photos for the blog, and then uh, just the edited versions of everything in high res. That's great. Okay, good tip. So the last part of the interview is the beauty bonus round. Um, I'm actually going to rename it because it's not going to be beauty bonus. Um, (laughs) And but the bonus round, basically the beauty and the vlog bonus round, let's call it that. And same thing, kind of same questions that I ask everybody and just like a quick response. Um, as to kind of, yeah, your answer. So what, uh, okay. So you already answered this. What do you use to edit? And that's your sister does Adobe premiere and what, do you know what camera sound and lighting you use? Uh, yeah. So I use a seven Canon 70 D mm-hmm. and we, we use the, I can never remember the range on it, but we use the stock lens for like overhead wide shots. Okay. And for when, for when I'm just doing like talking shots 
And then for photos and close-up shots, we use the 50 millimeter. It's like the 50 nifty or nifty 50 yes, lens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Best lens ever for the price. Uh, and then for lighting, uh, we just got a bunch of lighting off like B&H photo and video from mm-hmm. New York. Um, I think the price is amazing and I live in a cave Our condo has like the worst lighting. Mm. Um, so we have a lot of soft boxes and then we, and then for mic, for my own mic, I use uh, like a Rode lav mic that mm-hmm. attaches to an app on my iPhone. And then I use, oh, and then a tripod. We finally just upgraded to a Manfrotto. I was using this old one that was taped up and everything that I got for $70 like three years ago, but we finally just invested in a new tripod. What's the name of the tripod? Uh, a man, Manfrotto. Man, like M-A-N? M-A, yeah. Okay. I think it's like one of the top ones. I think they're like made in Italy or Spain or something. They're really, really uh, good quality ones. Okay. So I'm going to find all this stuff in and I'm going to link it in the show notes. So the show notes for this episode are going to be beautyinthevlog.com forward slash Nicole with a K and I K O L E. So beautyinthevlog.com forward slash Nicole and I K O L E. And of course, if you're in the Facebook group and on the newsletter, you get that link. But, um, to check out the show notes and everything that Nicole's mentioning here with the links and all that. Uh, it'll be in the show notes. So you don't have to worry about writing it down. Okay. Uh, next question. What would you not do again if you were to start your YouTube channel today? Oh, um, what would I not? That's so hard. (laughs) Oh, I know. I feel like I'm going to get stumped on this one. What would I not do? I guess the whole that going back to like not being focused, I wouldn't just randomly put up videos that I thought like, Hey, I got a video idea on the fly. I'm going to just film it and go like actually have like a plan of why are you, why are you choosing to do an avocado toast video is Mm -hmm. what's the reason behind it. And a lot Mm -hmm. of times Matt is the one will challenge me. He's like, so like, why did you, why did you film this one? Like, is there a reason about it? And I'm like, no, I just, I just like, I've been loving avocado toast lately. Mm -hmm. So just because like you're loving something right now and you have to think of too about your audience. So just kind of have a bigger picture in mind and don't, don't just like blindly put up video ideas and stuff because it's, it doesn't mean that you can't put up, put up avocado toast, but maybe that is a summer video. And if it's like Christmas time, maybe that's not the best video to put up at that time of the year. Yeah, that's that's a really good that's a really good tip. Uh who would be your dream collaboration? Mm, I have a couple people. I watch some like random very different personalities on YouTube. Uh someone who I really admire is Laura Vitali from Laura in the Kitchen, although I don't think she does collaborations with anybody, but mm. I really admire what she's doing. Um, and then complete. So she's more on the cooking side that I admire. And then on the other side, I really like uh, Nikki Philippi. I've been watching her for years, her and Rachel Talbot. Um, I, I discovered them together. So either one of them, I would love to collaborate with. Nikki does collaboration. I, I had her on the podcast. Oh, oh, I think I, I think I was, uh, I was listening to some of it. I haven't finished mm-hmm. it yet, but um, but yeah, I, I just love her. She's sweet. Really sweet. Yeah, I love her for set personality and her attitude and, she, I've just been watching her videos for years and, mm-hmm. and I feel like, I feel like we would be friends in real life. <laughs> yeah. She's very sweet. And she's like, she's really fun to talk to. And I interviewed her and I you know met her in person and she's, she's a cool girl. So she is what she seems like, you know, in the, in her videos. Um, I'll have to bug her one of these days. You to, should. Cause uh, I know she does. She does a lot of collaborations and stuff. So, uh, okay. Um, what do you, 
uh, oh, what is the biggest mistake that you've made in your YouTube career? Um, I guess like same thing with kind of going about things blindly. Like I think I should have been more focused with like a business plan. Um, Mm. kind of what my end goal was, even though I knew I wanted to do YouTube full time, eventually I, in the beginning, I still thought of it as a hobby and not a job that's going to be bringing in income. Um, so I think when you're starting, whether it's a YouTube channel or a blog or whatever business it is that you're starting, have some sort of rough business plan of what your end, what your mission is. Uh, so that way you can, when you're kind of shipping away at it or you're kind of going about things, you're, you have an end goal in mind. And, you know, even right now, how I mentioned, we're doing merchandise and stuff. Like these aren't things I thought about in the beginning. I didn't think, you know, how am I going to make money? How am I going to connect with my audience and stuff like that and, and grow outside of YouTube? I just thought, oh, I'll put up a video every week and I'll make money. I didn't even think about brand stuff or, or that Google AdSense wouldn't make a full-time salary. So I think just kind of having, um, I don't know, some kind of five-year plan. Uh, cause I, I definitely did not, I'm not a planner. It's a huge struggle of mine. Um, so, you know, even if you don't like doing it, I think it's so important to, to think about those things. Yeah. That's, I mean, if you want to make it a business, you have to do that. Mm-hmm. You really do. If you're, if it's a hobby, you can kind of do whatever, but if you really are serious about it, uh, you, you definitely, you definitely do. Um, what is the smartest decision you've made in your YouTube career? Uh, probably. I feel like I've made a couple now that I think of it, <laughs> not to brag, but I mean, bringing on Chloe has yeah. been the best thing ever. I, I like, I fear sometimes that she's not going to want to work for me forever. So <laughs> I'm like, what would I do without Chloe? I, I don't even know. Um, another thing would be, I think, uh, you know, just giving, giving YouTube a chance, like not looking for, once I left the other marketing job, not looking for another one and just trusting in, uh, that I can make a full-time income Mm. off of this. So, uh, I think it's kind of feels like a gamble. Sometimes I was getting cold feet a couple months ago where I'm like, should I go back to work? Like I, you know, I don't know. I was starting to have these like thoughts and then those went away. <laughs> so, but definitely having Chloe on the team has been one of the best things to, to really doing it full time and growing and growing overall. Yeah, that's good. What is your favorite video you've created or the one that you're the most proud of? Mm, oh, easy. I did the like Portugal week. Mm. <laughs> so my grandparents, live in Portugal right now. They retired there and we did like a, a series where it's just, I called it, yeah, Portuguese week. Mm-hmm. It was, up, it was leading up to Portugal day. So I planned ahead. I knew where, when Portugal day was. And when my grandparents were visiting, I filmed three recipe videos with my grandma. My grandpa was like more the taste tester. He, he does cook as well, but it was mainly my grandma. And it was one of those videos that I knew like it was more so for me, like I wasn't doing them because I thought they were going to go viral or anything, mm-hmm. but it was, and I have so many, um, I have a lot of Portuguese viewers and so many people connected with it. Like it, yeah, it was definitely one of my favorite videos to film. It was just like the memories I'm going to have now of that, I have the recipes and I want it to make, I want to make it a yearly thing. So when they come back next year, mm-hmm. we're going to be doing more recipes. That's so cool. And it, you said earlier in the interview that you're that you love themes and, and making, you know, themes and series. And you really can't do that without planning and planning ahead. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. There's Mm -hmm. so many things I want to do. And then like, even for back to school, I have, uh, 
<clears throat> like a huge back to school giveaway that I'm doing. I'm also, I got permission to film at the school I went to, mm. which is really cool. So things like that, you wouldn't be able, I wouldn't be able to do unless I was pre-planning them. Cause even for the huge back to school giveaway, I contacted a bunch of companies that I wanted to kind of sponsor uh, products for mm -hmm. uh, so we could do like a really epic giveaway. And if I didn't plan that, I would a either have to spend, have it all come out of my own money and maybe it wouldn't be as great. Um, but yeah, you definitely lose that on opportunities. If like, if when my grandparents were coming here, if I didn't plan it at all, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And just, you know, as you're wrapping up this interview, because it, it does seem to be like a theme is so what, how exactly do you, do you plan your videos? So back to the, I feel like I'm just like wrapping the, the Google calendar. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, it's been life-changing. So mm. basically I use Google calendar because I can share it with Chloe um, because we live about an hour away. And uh, so yeah, we use Google calendar uh, and I will kind of pop in. The reason I like it is because I can put video ideas in there, but I can move them around really easily. Um, I can share it with her. I can also with Matt, if I have a, an interview like right now or a meeting or something like that, I can put it in there and he can, and even if we're like out somewhere and someone asks us if we're available for something or they're trying to book us for something, I can easily go back and see if I'm free before it was like, Oh, I got to go home and check my schedule. Mm -hmm. Um, but for content, uh, so, you know, when I'm, I'll usually try to plan two months in advance and I'll look at trends on Pinterest, look at things that I'm loving in my own life, uh, different holidays, like national food holidays. I think tomorrow is like national rice pudding day and I have a recipe, so I'll be oh my sharing gosh, that. How funny. <laughs> and I know I just, I just know that cause that's I was great. At it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's your industry. You should really know it. Yeah. So I will look at that, like, yeah, what's trending and, and whatnot. And so I'll usually have, like I said, for two months, I'll have ideas of what's going to go up there. And then, uh, because I do three a week, it's really important to know if I have how far, like what content I already have filmed. And Chloe even told me, you know, we were ahead for a while, but with summer and being busy, you know, now we're, we're missing a few weeks of videos. And she even told me yesterday, you know, uh, we need a video for next week <laughs> so mm -hmm. she can see my, my calendar as well. Uh, and if I, like I said, if I ever need to move things or change things, it's like life-changing for that. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's basically how I plan, I plan content. How do you, where, where do you look for, for trends, inspiration for trends? Um, you know what? I used to use like, what is it? Like Google trends or something. Mm -hmm. I don't use it as often. I will, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to think like what I really do now. Um, I will either look on YouTube, you know, mm -hmm. if I know I want to do back to school uh, videos, I will look at what's, what are other people doing for back to school? Okay. Like I'm obviously not going back to school. So that's something I had to do a lot of research mm -hmm. for, like, you know, things like, uh, morning routine for first day of school. Like, you know, I would, I didn't think about doing that. And now I'm like, Oh, how can I do a fun twist on that? Because my viewers don't know or no, I'm not in school. Um, or, you know, take my video, like what I eat in a day that I did for work, but at school. Mm -hmm. And I was even thinking of having, you know, maybe Chloe, who is going to school, be the person, like the actor in the video almost. She is hesitant about it because she, it's kind of a funny thing. She doesn't really like being in the camera. Um, but I always try to get her on Insta stories once in a while. But so I just, um, I tried to, yeah, for that, I was looking on YouTube to see what's popular for recipes. Um, I will just kind of see what's trending on Pinterest. Um, and, uh, and even just like 
my real life, you know, if I'm going to restaurants and I'm seeing, uh, I don't know, like Brussels sprouts, like roasted Brussels sprout chips or something are really popular. Mm -hmm. or you just start to pick up things or like magazines or, uh, like food websites and stuff. Um, I just find you'll, you'll quickly, or even social media, you start to see, like I said, the sweet potato toast. I never did that trend, but you know, you start to go, wow, like a few people are doing these. Mm -hmm. And even looking at like Buzzfeed or tasty style videos and seeing what they're doing, um, and, uh, and getting inspiration. So I usually, I usually get inspiration from a bunch of different things. And then once I know an overarching theme, like uh, Halloween or something like a big event is coming up, um, I'll look at what I want to do and then I'll look at what's trending and then just kind of reword what the title might be. So I can still do what I want to do, but make sure that it fits. Like if I wanted to do like some healthy lunch recipes, maybe I'll do like five healthy bento lunches for back to school or something. Yeah. It it just, it takes time and a lot of planning, like you said, to, to come up with all that, that stuff. So I think your message of, you know, planning is really important. I think is, is really big because you can't come up with all these ideas and themes and look at the trends and all that stuff. If you don't spend like an hour, you know, a week or something, just sitting down or every other week or however, you know, whatever, sitting down and really coming up with like a content calendar and thinking about, okay, what do I want to do? What kind of series do I want to do? It makes a a huge difference. So. No, I I definitely agree. What is your favorite opportunity that you got as a result of being on YouTube? So one of them is actually happening right now, but I can't talk about it. And I hate to be one of those people that (laughs) I'm like, oh, it's something really cool, but I can't talk about it. Um, but I promise I'll share it soon. Um, uh, the other thing would have to be when I got to premiere a video at a, a film festival, it's like a YouTube film festival in Toronto called buffer festival. <clears throat> and I got to, this is my third year going, but this is the first time I got to actually premiere something in front of a live audience. And it was my day in the life of a foodie. It was, it was a really funny video. Nothing like I've ever done before. Uh, it's kind of a, a funny take on, uh, my life. Funny thing is I actually just took real inspiration from my life and people thought it was really funny. So I got to do that. And then also, you know, we got to like dress up, walk down a red carpet and, um, and then I was on a live panel as well. So it was just really cool to, to be a part of that all and, and to create a video that was like shared in a, in a theater. How how did you get that opportunity again? So I knew the, um, actually, no, at the time I didn't know Corey. So Corey is like mm-hmm. one of the co-founders uh, for Buffer Festival. Oh, Buffer Festival. Okay. <clears throat> so I think now anyone can really submit something. Um, they did, I think some people get asked, like I got asked to submit something. Um, but I think even this year, it's actually going to be on my birthday this year, September mm-hmm. 28th. Is anyone I think that wants to create something can create something for the festival, which is really cool. And it doesn't get like, it doesn't have to get approved or anything. It's really just, um, uh, you know, if you want to join in, I think you just apply or I don't know how the process works because I got invited to do it last year. Um, but if you're a, it's not just a Toronto creator thing. It's people fly in from all over now and, uh, and feature their content. So people I'm trying to think, um, uh, like, I mean, there were people like, uh, Shay Carl, there were people, I, I don't think he's doing YouTube right now, but anyways, there was a lot of big names from mm-hmm. all over the world that get flown in to, uh, to come do this festival. And they have different categories like vloggers, um, uh, lifestyle comedy and lots of different things. So it's, it's, 
a really good mix of, uh, of people. That's awesome. And last question, what is your superpower? Meaning what is it about you that comes naturally that you don't really have to try hard for that you feel, uh, is a trait that has contributed to your success? Um, I think, I mean, I get told this all the time, so I guess this would be it. I think my ability just to talk and connect with people, Mm -hmm. I think, I know my friends always say, especially Matt is always like, he loves bringing me to networking stuff because he's like, you can talk to anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's really helped me. I just, first off, love talking to people. Um, I think I'm definitely an extrovert. I get my energy from people. Um, so I just love that. And then I think it's really helped me with just, you know, um, building relationships with YouTube, connecting with my audience. Uh, and then also just like even working with brands. Like I think if I, I always think if I can get a brand on the phone, like I can talk them into working with me because I just want to show them I'm like a relatable person and what I'm all about. And, um, I felt so Canadian there about, uh, so, um, so yeah, I, I think, I, uh, I can definitely talk to people and I remember not to make this uh, answer too long, but I remember going to some kind of Christmas work party. It was the contractor company that I was with. They did like a separate work Christmas work party. And I remember I had no one to take with me. It was last minute I was going and I was terrified because I was going by myself and I ended up making friends with like everybody there. And it was like the best experience ever. And it was just like a good, like self building thing for me. And, uh, and it just kind of reconfirmed that I can, I can make a conversation out of anything. <laughs> That's great. It is. It's, it's, it's a great trait to have. All right, Nicole, you've been amazing. You had so many cool tips that nobody has ever said before. And I think people will really love just listening to you talk and in whatever industry they're in. And you had just a lot of great insight and I love your approach to your channel and what you do. So for anyone that's interested in following you, watching you, where can they find you and your content? Uh, they can find me on YouTube, uh, uh, youtube.com slash healthnutrition. I also have a blog, healthnutrition.ca. And then on social media everywhere, I'm at your health nut. So you are health nut. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Erica. I honestly forgot that I was on a podcast. I felt like I was, I'm <laughs> not talking. even kidding. Yeah. I mean, this is my, I think third podcast now. And I honestly forgot. I'm like, oh, right. I'm talking to someone and this is going to be, uh, or talking to someone's podcast. And then this is going to be shown in front of a bunch of people. Like yeah. this, that, this was so much fun. Oh, good. Well, that's, that's my superpower. I love talking to people too, and just <laughs> making them feel like, they're talking to a friend and comfortable and, and that's what, that's what it is. And that's where, you know, the conversations, that's my goal is for you to feel so comfortable that, you know, that, that we get good information and that it's not, uh, censored or anything like that. And the audience gets a lot out of that because they want to hear these genuine responses and conversations and things about, YouTube. And a lot of these things are hard, hard to find people, people put out videos but they can edit it and they can censor it. And then there's something different about just an organic conversation. So thank you for that. That's a a nice compliment. (laughs) Oh, well, I couldn't agree more. And yeah, people are going to get all the, all the behind the scenes of things I don't think I've ever said. So yes, that's awesome. All right, Nicole. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you.
Well, that's it. I hope you enjoyed this interview. And if you enjoyed it and you got something out of it, help me get the podcast to the top 10 podcasts for business, for marketing, and leave a review on iTunes, share it in your YouTube videos, on your Instagram, tag me, and I will make sure to return the love as well. I love hearing how this podcast is affecting you, helping you with your YouTube channel, changing your life. I get emails and comments from that all the time. So keep them coming. And if you are looking to improve your YouTube channel, start your YouTube channel, make sure you sign up for the waitlist at ericavier.net for slash bootcamp for my next bootcamp, which is going to be happening in 2019. Have a wonderful week and I will see you next Thursday. Mwah.